Last last week, but maybe I can just jump, throw a bit in. Last week when me and John were doing the mic test, so I was, I was just you were kind of testing my levels, but half going, listening to what I was saying, and then and then and I was saying, and you were going, "That sounds interesting, John." Oh, yeah, oh. Say. <laughs> you were going, you you were starting to tell a story, and I was going, "Yes, yes, that sounds <laughs> true, true." One one story coming out of John, John, John. <laughs> no. And then you said, are you listening to me or are you just testing the mic? And I said, oh, yeah, more of the latter. And then we were laughing, thinking that you could, that I'd be telling a story about some tragic event that had happened, but also testing the mic. You're going, how was your day, Alex? And I go, yeah, it wasn't too bad, but a friend of mine passed away, passed away early this morning at about, Two, two a.m. Could have been one. Could have been one, one or two, two. I need to check, check one, one. What time, time, my friend? Pa, pa, passed away. Yeah. The funeral's at six. <laughs> His name was Tra, Tra, Travis. Travis, two, two, wop, wop, one. Tra, tragic, tragic, newt news. <laughs> Hi, everybody, and welcome back to Don't Praise the Machine. This is episode number 32. I thought you knew. With myself, Alexander Holland, and my number one pod person, John Maloney. Do you want to hear what I'm doing yeah. this week? So I Please. have to, I have to, uh, I have to rush off at the end of this record. Mm-hmm. So I've been invited by my friend Owen to a murder mystery weekend. Oh, wow. Yeah. So I've been given the, I was given the framework of a character and mm-hmm. then I got to choose the name and develop the character further. Mm-hmm. And then my friends Owen and Kathy have put a ton of effort into renting a manor house about an hour and a half um, outside of Berlin. So I'm jumping cool. on a train with a bunch of my other friends. Yeah. And we all go. And then yeah. there's a murder mystery that plays out over ah. the weekend. And I've actually not done one before, so I don't really know what happens. But I will be doing that over the weekend. The murder mystery will be quite fun, but there'll be some silly party times too. Yeah, so yeah. it'll be interesting to see how this – by the time everyone hears this podcast, it's probably been edited by <coughs> me – with a traumatic hangover on Monday. <laughs> and possibly somebody's been murdered. I mean, what often happens with these weekends is uh, there's a kind of meta-narrative where somebody actually does get murdered and then uh, <laughs> and then there's a real I, mystery to be solved. When I told everyone, I, I had some drinks with a few friends that are going to it um, last night and... I was explaining that I didn't really understand what happened, and <laughs> a friend of mine said, "Well, you know the the way that it starts. It's it's, it's during the proceedings, somebody gets murdered." And I just went, "Oh, I don't want it to. Is it sad? I don't want it to be sad." <laughs> and then, can you t- are you allowed to tell us anything about your character? Yeah, actually, maybe that'd be nice. My character's name is Clutch Donovan. I came up with that. Clutch Donovan. <laughs> 
That's a great name. Surprised you didn't go with Golden Boots Mahogany, which is always <laughs> yes. the, the best made-up name you told me. <laughs> yes, that's from my dear uncle John Megan Golden Boots Mahogany, <laughs> the greatest <laughs> AFL player, the greatest Australian football player to ever exist. Golden Boots Mahogany is what he named himself when he would. I think he was quite young when he would play backyard footy with my uncle Dave, John and David. John, as a child, called himself Golden Boots Mahogany. <laughs> um, so my character is called Clutch Donovan. So it just says, Clutch is the son of a famous Hollywood screenwriter. Mm-hmm. He grew up in a privileged Hollywood family where he was spoiled and lived off the money from his father for many years. When the money ran out, he used his father's connections in media to become a PR agent for some small-time Hollywood actors. So he's basically one of these kind of rich kid, mm-hmm. uh, social media kind of yeah, personalities. Okay. It's okay. a bit based on like Dan Bilzerian, that guy. Well, you've certainly done your... Kind of- Done your background research, given that you've you spent a fair bit of time on YouTube observing yeah, the lifestyles of these characters. <laughs> um, and yeah, I had we all had to do little videos. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe I can even post my video on the Instagram page of Don't Praise the Machine later. So I had to do a little video. Yeah. Everybody made a little Instagram video that other people could see to introduce their characters. And I did my character with an American accent, and then realized afterward, and then realized afterwards. Wards afterwards. How would Americans say afterwards? Afterwards. Afterwards. After. Afterwards. I don't, I don't feel like it's something they say very often. No. Um, <clears throat> realized after. Yeah. So after I realized after. So when I did my character video, I did it in an American accent, and then I realized that a lot of the proceedings for this weekend. I'm going to need to be in character, so I'm mm. going to have to do the act. So I'm I'm all in, you know, like I'm all in. This is my, I, I, you know, I'm really going to put everything I got into Clutch. And uh, <laughs> Clutch Donovan. People said, people said to me, people said, Alex, why are you taking this so seriously? I said, this is my shot. <laughs> Guys, this is my last shot. <laughs> um, but I was also joking with my friend Owen because he wrote in the Facebook group, uh, he he wrote and said, oh, Alec, I've got another job that I need Alex to do. So just so people are aware, Alex, um, he's going to be a little bit busy. And then I just wrote in the Facebook group. I was like, yeah, guys, Owen's given me a very important job. He said, I'm going to be, because it's Halloween. So I said, Owen said, I'm going to be the spooky cleaner. And I just can't <laughs> wait. And then I was saying, my friend Owen was just saying to me, yeah, right, Alex, so Basically, you've got an extremely important role this weekend. You're the spooky cleaner. And so what <laughs> happens is when there's like a mass or a spill or something like that, you need to go and just clean that up quick, smart to keep the plot really rolling along. And <laughs> you need to make sure that, you know, all the beds are made and, yeah. uh, you know, they've got to make sure that <laughs> all the meals are cooked. Oh, man, it sounds pretty, sounds pretty important. Yeah, it's really, really important. It's like <laughs> kind of the... It's kind of the linchpin of the whole thing is a spooky cleaner. And then I was oh, going, thanks, Owen. <laughs> take, take that, guys. Yeah. Hey, look who gets to be the uh, spooky cleaner. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, Clutch Donovan. So we'll see how I don't, see how he goes. Yeah. I think maybe, maybe I, he's the murderer. We don't, we don't know. How do you find out? Or do you, you, you find out at the end? Okay, yeah. No, they know. Owen and Kathy who've written it, they know. Ah. And then... So I believe somebody somebody who's not a character is is murdered on the first night, and then I think I think 
after that, everybody tries to, like, I don't know, work out who it was, but mm. nobody knows except the people that wrote it. Do you find the idea, because you're an actual lawyer that deals with actual murder mysteries, mm. do you find these things in poor, in poor taste, that it's trivialising murder mystery? It's a good question. Look, uh, my, my whole, look, my professional career is murder mystery, all right? Like if, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, bring, bringing, like a detective turns up to a murder mystery night and just gets really into it. You'd sort yeah. of raise an eyebrow. Like Detective Smith just really getting into his character in the murder <laughs> mystery weekend. <laughs> I'm not sure how seriously you take your career, yeah. detective. If, if some part of you thinks murder is a bit of fun, then how seriously <laughs> could you be taking this? I was... <laughs> I was um, doing a trial when I first started at the bar, and I had to get a um, I had to get a toy gun uh, so that we could reenact key events that had that had happened because um, uh-huh. it concerned a shooting, and that did I don't know that did firstly it did kind of seem a bit like surreal that I was kind of acquiring this stuff, but also. I was kind of thinking, wow, this is kind of fun, which is maybe inappropriate, but I guess it's fine because you enjoy your job, you do a good job of it. But uh, I don't know, as somebody who like I'm pretty inclined towards true crimey stuff, so I think I'm able to separate real real stuff from uh, from like recreational jokey murders. Like my mum is just obsessed with the uh, – or was for a long time really into reading murder mystery novels and watching murder mystery shows, which are always sort of paradoxically comforting. It's like this sort of ASMR TV, even though it's based around people being strangled by by psychopaths. But it's always, you know, set in some beautiful little town in the Peak District or whatever. It's a strange thing, isn't it, that people... <clears throat> I wonder if all it will take is some, like sanctimonious article about how we shouldn't be gamifying murder and then people will be like, oh, I guess we can't do this anymore. <laughs> I um there's obviously a limit though to you know to the to the to the the crime. It just has to be pretty basic, classic, Cluedo esque yeah. murder. If I turn up to this thing and Owen says, Right, so somebody's been murdered and the murderer like cut his head off and then and then undressed the corpse and then he stuffed the corpse into a hole and then he yeah, filled the right. hole with rats and then he, he gleefully laughed as the rats ate the corpse and then he took the head. And then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> just like somebody somebody that's come along for the weekend just starts like dry heaving <laughs> behind it. And the old man's corpse was molested and then set on fire and then the murderer the murderer took his wife and wore her skin as a skin jacket. This <laughs> is just within the first half hour and then you've got you've got two days of it. We will have counsellors on hand for anyone who finds this difficult. Just, just more details keep coming out. I've got some more details about what happened with the murder. No, please, no, no. please. The murderer, it's very important to the plot. The murderer was also very into animal cruelty. <laughs> and so I'm going to detail his various crimes yeah. now against animals.
<laughs> dating back to when he was a child. <laughs> I have the police. Re- I have the police report here. <laughs> Just some slides from the various crime scenes. <laughs> Just. I was watching the original Nightmare on Elm Street, which I recommend to our listeners. It's quite a good, because it's ridiculous, but it's quite a well put together little film. And I had forgotten this, but it's got a very young Johnny Depp in it. In fact, I believe it was his first film. Yeah, I didn't know that. And um, he's extreme, like he looks kind of very sort of leathery and kind of hard living these days, of course, but he's very sort of fresh faced and handsome in that. He was and, very uh, striking as yeah, a young man. Yeah. And um, he probably wouldn't have even, I don't know, he might have just been 18, I'm not sure, but he was very young. And uh, what struck me was that he just has this, he just presents in this very kind of normal, like I grew up in America and I've got a normal way of speaking and a normal <laughs> voice. And, he, <laughs> and now he's got this kind of weird, he like, he's this kind of cross between... Hunter S. Thompson and like, <laughs> and and like somebody pretending to speak like a Native American chief or something. It's quite bizarre. That That's true. That's a very good description of how he speaks. Yeah, I don't. The Native American thing is is almost offensive. Well, it probably is because he people started saying because he was speaking in this way, which was kind of almost a caricature of like you know, how somebody like Sitting Bull might be depicted as speaking or whatever. Yeah. People started asking about it. And then I think he vaguely claimed to have Native American heritage, which was sort of not particularly well verified at all. Like basically there's no evidence for it. And he claimed to be a member of this Native American group, I believe. And then they sort of said, well, it's it's not quite as simple as you just asserting that. Like you've got to find some link and you don't appear to have any link and uh and then and then that made me think of um of course there's been some sad news from the life of Alec Baldwin this week but it it made me think of uh his wife Ilaria which is <laughs> which is just one of my favorite stories to come out of Hollywood in recent years uh so the background is Alec Baldwin the well-known actor married somebody a couple of years ago named Hillary, but she grew up with the name Hillary Thomas. And she basically, she was known by the time he, he met her as Ilaria, I believe she was already known that way. And she presented, she quickly kind of through, through being with him gained a prominent social media presence. And she was a sort of consummate user of Twitter and Instagram and posted about their kind of idyllic life and her travels and so on. And she did a lot of interviews, particularly after they got married. And in these interviews, she kind of insinuated without explicitly, like just shy of explicitly claiming it, that she was Spanish, as in actually from Spain. 
So, for example, she said that at the wedding, it was a kind of Spanish-themed wedding, and she said that she did that because, you know, they she wanted to uh, kind of double down on her culture. Um, right. She said that 30 to 40 members of her family came from Spain, or as she called it, España, to, uh, <laughs> to see the wedding. She said that when she told them she was marrying Alec Baldwin, she told what turned out to be her white Boston raised American parents that she was marrying Alec Baldwin, that they couldn't pronounce the name Baldwin and she had to tell them three times, no, it's, it's Baldwin. And then they eventually got it right. And then and then she says... And, that, her, and her parents are just from the US. Yeah, her parents are from the US. Basically what happened was her father, I think, did an undergraduate degree in like Spanish studies and learned how to speak Spanish. Okay. And then got, and then took them there on like family holidays. Yeah. Uh, the end. So there's no, and then she's you know famously in a on a sort of morning show. She's doing a bit of like she's cooking a recipe and she's reaching around for ingredients and she's saying, and then you add the uh, oh how do you say it in English uh, cucumber, <laughs> and it's like she was just, she just grew up in Boston. And then, and then people started. She did a an interview, I think, with Vanity Fair. And I mean, watching these interviews is is a real treat because people say things to her like, um, "Geez, your English is excellent," and she just says, "Thank you," like <laughs> as if you wouldn't say like, "Well, that's because I'm American," so there's no reason for me to be not competent at English. <laughs> And then she won some award for like be- best dressed Latin star, and she was just like, "Thank you very much for the award." Like she didn't, she didn't go like, "Oh, I'm sorry, I've given you the wrong impression," which of course you would if you weren't deliberately trying to give that impression. And and uh, and then and then Alec Baldwin is in various. I don't know to what extent he was like complicit in it, or he just was hoodwinked because he's in an interview. I think it was maybe on the Letterman show or something. Yeah. One of these late night shows doing this um, kind of fairly twee Spanish accent, imitating her and then pauses to specify my wife is from Spain. And then people started to get suspicious because she did a couple of interviews where she was like pretty cagey about explaining what her background was. And she would, she would often caption her, posts in Spanish and English and um, people were like, why are you doing that? And she's like, well, I speak Spanish and my, f- and my parents live in Spain or my family is living yeah. in Spain. Or she, sometimes she would say my home is in Spain, which she later clarified meant that her parents had retired to Mallorca. Right. And um, then they kind of, somebody from her, somebody who knew her when she was a young woman in Boston was like, yeah, I met Hillary as she then was, not Ilaria. <laughs> In Boston, and she looked different. Like she was, she was blonde-haired, and because she, she kind of had this sort of slightly Southern European look to her, which seems to also been a bit of a deliberately cultivated thing. Yeah, and she said, you know, she just looked like a kind of blonde-haired American who had a p- p- pretty typical sort of Boston accent. And then, then <laughs> now I see her on the on social media, and she's like talking in this faux Spanish accent. 
about her Latin culture. It's like, what the fuck happened? <laughs> and uh, and then it all came out and she was like, she gave this really kind of mealy-mouthed explanation about like, oh, well, I grew up between America and Spain and people were like, well, yeah. did, you, did you go to school in Spain? She's like, no, nah, it was only during the summer. And it's like, what? So you basically had like childhood holidays in Spain. That doesn't make you Spanish. And uh, <laughs> and she was unwilling to specify how often she was actually there, like how many weeks a year. And I just loved it because it's like, why are you doing this? Like nobody cares if you're American. Just be, just be an American. Ilaria. Let's get her on, Ilaria. You can be Spanish on Don't Praise the Machine, Ilaria. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Thanks, everybody, for tuning into episode number 32. Thanks, everyone, for joining us on this week's episode of Don't Don't Praise the Machine. It's time to towel yourself off, get back inside, and wait for next week's episode. I'm John Maloney, and I've appeared with my pod brother, Alexander Holland. (laughs) 